We're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 1, and we're going to look at a few verses, uh, verses 4 through 10, and I'll read them in a moment, but I'll let you make your way there, Jeremiah chapter 1. Now make sure that's uh, the Bible on your little device there, and not a game or something, but uh, Jeremiah chapter 1. Are we all there? Page 664. All right, well, let's pray. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to gather and to worship you and to pray. And then to get into the word and hear you speak to us. And we pray that you would do that. That you would minister to us by your spirit. We thank you for the Holy Spirit, for his presence. We thank you, Lord, that you said that he would come and he's with us. You said he would abide with us forever. And so give us ears to hear what he would say as we open your word, as we study your word. Speak to our hearts. You know us. You love us. And we know you want to minister to us and also equip us for the work that you have for us. And so we ask your blessing upon this time. We also pray for Gene and Pam, Lord. Bless them. Refresh them. Minister to them. We're just so thankful for them. May they just really be blessed and refreshed while they're away and bring them back safely. Uh, to us, we pray. And so we commit all these things to you. We thank you that you hear our prayer, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Well, in Jeremiah chap- chapter 1, verses 4 through 10, is Jeremiah's call from God. Jeremiah is called by God for a particular job. And, and that's what I want us to consider. And that is that the Lord has not only a job for Jeremiah to do, and he did it, and he was faithful, it was a difficult job, but God has a job for each of us. And, you know, we could begin even by thinking about that. What is your job? What has God called you to? What has he made you for? What purpose did he have in mind when he thought of you? He thought, oh, I'm going to make them for this, and it's going to be good. What, What is that in particular? Do you struggle with it? You know, how come I didn't... You know, when I was a kid, I, my, one of my jobs was taking out the trash. How, how come I got that job? And uh, still a little bitter, but... Uh, <laughs> it's an important job, though, right? If you don't take out the trash, it gets a little smelly around the house. And, and yet, you know, we have these jobs that come our way and we think they're from the Lord and sometimes we struggle with them. Do you struggle with what God's called you? Do you know what your gift is that God has given to you that you might fulfill your calling? You know, the world around us more and more don't have a sense of this. They don't have a sense of purpose and meaning. How can they? They, they evolved. You know, in, in our education system, there is a denial isn't there of a God. And, you know, it's from goo to you. <laughs> That's, uh, we evolved. No creator. We just evolved over time. Uh, we are what we are. Well, how can you find meaning and purpose in that? It doesn't answer that question. It, it can't answer that question. And this is what we're up against when we're sharing with people. And so it's important not only do we know this for ourselves, but to be able to share, you know, there is real meaning and purpose for your life. God has something. God the Creator made you for something wonderful, something specific. 
and he's gifted you to do it. So there's great meaning and purpose in life. And if there isn't meaning and purpose in life, well, then what's the point? And so, you know, as we look at this, we'll ask ourselves the question, and we'll let the Scripture search our hearts. Lord, am I doing what you've called me to do? Am I fulfilling my purpose? Listen, if we don't fulfill our purpose in life, well, then will we be fulfilled? I mean, isn't that the definition of fulfillment? Fulfilling that which you're made for? That which is, you know, you? And, or anyone. And so many around us are unfulfilled, and it's because, well, they haven't discovered this wonderful truth. So that's what we're going to be looking at. Let's begin by reading. Uh, I'll skip the verse, a couple of three verses. It's the words of Jeremiah, and uh, it speaks about when the, the word came to him. And then in verse 4 it says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. So Jeremiah, as we just read, the word of the Lord came to him. And God said to him, in effect, Jeremiah, I have a job for you to do. I have a job for you to do, and I've made you specifically for this purpose, and I've gifted you for this purpose. And then we read of Jeremiah's objection, his struggle. You know, I'm a youth, and I can't speak. And in this, I I see three things, and this is what we'll consider. First, that Jeremiah was made for his calling in life, for this job that God had for him. He was made for it. The second thing is that he struggled with it. And the third is that God gifts him to do it, to help him uh, in his struggle. And I think the same is true for us. And I think we'll see that. So let's look at this a little bit more. Again, verse 4, we read, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. So his, his job, his calling, the job that the Lord had for him was to be a prophet, to proclaim God's word to the nations. And he does that. And he was faithful. Even though it was difficult, he did it. But the thing that really strikes me about this is we read that before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. The Lord made Jeremiah, he formed Jeremiah with, with this job in mind, to be a prophet, to fulfill this calling. He formed him. The first time we see that word is in Genesis 2, 7, when he formed the man from the dust of the earth. He formed Jeremiah. And the last time in the Old Testament we see it is in Zechariah, when, when the, the, the Lord forms the spirit. Jeremiah was formed. He was formed in the womb. He 
was formed in the womb, and the word is also translated made or purposed or fashioned. So now we're getting into, okay, God made him, purposed him, fashioned him with something in mind. Well, what was that? Well, to be a prophet, to be a prophet to the nations. And, and notice also, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And notice the you speaks of personhood. This is why we're pro-life, <laughs> Right? Uh, we know it now, biologically, when the sperm and the egg join, I hope this is okay, PG-13, uh, there's life, human life. It begins then. We know, that, we know that biologically. We've always known it theologically. Before I knew you, in the womb, I, you, Jeremiah, before I knew you, I formed you. You were a person, and God had something in mind for this, this life. It's also, I think, helpful, this word translated formed in chapter 18, verse 4, is translated potter. In fact, about seven times it's translated potter, referring to the potter or the former. And you know, if you've done any pottery work, they take the clay, just like they did back in Jeremiah's day, they still do it that way today. They take the clay and they put it on a wheel and, and you know, with water, and then they form, the wheel turns and they form the vase or whatever they're making, whatever the, the artist has in mind for, uh, you know, the vessel that he's forming. God did this for Jeremiah. And, you know, God does this for us. If he knew Jeremiah, does he, does he not know you? Did he not form you, you, your person, your spirit, your life? Did he not form you for something wonderful? I believe that he has. In fact, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 2.10 that we, we Christians, uh, Ephesians, a circular letter written to Christians, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. We are his workmanship. We are his poema. Yep, you've heard this before, no doubt. If not, uh, here it is for the first time. You're his, you're his expression of art, poema. Now, you, you don't have to know Greek to know what that means. Poem, an expression of art. You are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. You. Now, that really elevates your life. That gives meaning and purpose to your life, doesn't it? God formed me. God made me. God made you. He formed you. Like a potter, he formed you. He had something in mind, and he made you. He formed you. He purposed you. And so, uh, like Jeremiah, God has a, a job for you to do. We know where to go into all the world and make disciples. The general call to every follower of Jesus Christ, that's our task. That's why we're still here, to make disciples. We're, we're here to love God and to love one another, to reach out with His love. God has a job for us, a calling for us, and we're made for it. He made us for it. Now, are we answering that call? And again, let's let the Word search our hearts about this. Am I doing what God has made me to do? Am I formed me to do, purposed, fashioned me to do? I don't want to miss that. And, you know, there's pressure in this world, isn't there? The, the world wants to press us into its mold. It wants to form us for something else. And we have to resist that pressure. There's the pressures. 
you know, there's these competing voices. I'm thinking of, you know, if you're a, a Greek girl named Tula, your parents are going to want you to marry a Greek boy and have lots of Greek babies. Uh, one of my wife's favorite movies. I'm quoting it. And that's a purpose. You know, parents have a purpose for their kids. And that's a good purpose. That's a holy purpose. Be fruitful and multiply. Now, but there's also the gift of being single. And some of you think, I hope I, Lord, I hope I don't have that gift. <laughs> Uh, but my point is, you know, there's lots of good things that, that the Lord may have for us. But what has he made you for? What has he made you for? And there's pressures. You know, our family says we need to do this. And the world's trying to press us into its mold. You know, you need to do the things that are done in the world. And But it's the Lord that we serve. You know, I can... I can conform to the world and miss my purpose for life and never be fulfilled. And so many around us that we love, that we're praying for, they can, you know, capitulate. They could yield to the pressures of this world, other pressures, and never, and never be fulfilled because they're not fulfilling their purpose in life. Many around us don't even think that they're made by God, even though they are. And so they're, they're trying to find life. But it's a, a square peg in a round hole. It doesn't work until they come to the Lord. And we need to help them to see their great purpose. God has a job for us. And we want to serve the Lord like Joshua. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And, and again, we won't be fulfilled unless we're fulfilling our purpose. You won't be fulfilled unless you're fulfilling your purpose. What has God made you for? Those that you love around you that are maybe struggling, what does God have for them? And we want to help them and we want to discover for ourselves. Now, when we start to discover something's up, like Jeremiah, we can struggle just like Jeremiah. And he struggled as we read in verse 6. He says, Ah, Lord God. Now, the ah is like, uh, um, Just a minute, Lord. I don't know what that is. It's like, Ah, uh, uh, Lord God, behold, I. I cannot speak, I, for I am a youth. And so he's struggling. He's hearing the call. And his first response is, I can't do that. Uh, just a minute, Lord. I can't speak. You want me to speak? I, I, I can't speak. I don't do speaking. And again, let's let the, the, you know, the scripture kind of search our hearts. Are we like, do we do stuff like that? The Lord tells us to do something. We say, I don't do that, Lord. And we can, we can struggle, but if we don't work past that struggle, through that struggle, we're going to cut ourselves off from fulfilling our calling in life. And he's struggling. He's struggling with this, I, I can't speak. Now, you Bible students know right away, I've heard that before. Somebody else said that. Yeah, that was Moses. Lord, I can't speak. And the Lord told Moses, who made the mouth? And Jeremiah says, but I'm a youth. And Moses was old. He was 80 years old when he was called. Jeremiah was, it's believed, maybe in his early 20s, maybe even, a, you know, 17, 18, 19 years old. 
He's struggling. I can't do this. He's struggling, it seems, for two reasons, if you were to kind of put a tag on it. One would be inadequacy. I can't speak. Another would be like an insecurity. I'm just a youth. I mean, we didn't read it, but I'm from Anathoth. And and I'm the priestly family sort of out of the loop, not from Jerusalem. And I'm just a youth. You know, I don't don't have my driver's license. I don't have my priest card or whatever, you know. (laughs) Not that they had driver's license, but you're with me, I hope. Uh, Insecurities. And really, what is that? Well, those are fears. Those are fears. And how does the Lord answer those fears? Oh, he does by his command, first of all. And he says, don't say. And notice verse 7. The Lord said to me, do not say, I am a youth, for you shall go to whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Don't say, I am a youth. Don't say you can't speak, because you have my command. And this really addresses the, the issue of the inadequacies, the insecurities. We have the command of God. Jeremiah had the command of God. We have the command of God. If God tells us to do something, well then, well, he knows what he's doing. If he tells us to do something, even if we don't think we can do it, he must think that we can do it, so we can do it. And so, by virtue of his calling, he'll, he'll enable us to do it. And God's callings are God's enablings. God's command. God doesn't command you to do something and not give you the ability to do it. He formed Jeremiah. He made Jeremiah for this. And we're going to, we already read it. We'll look at it a little bit more. He was gifted to do this as well. And so this issue of, of insecurities or inadequacies, fears, another name for fears. What is that? In a way, it's kind of a, a pride. It's a, a reverse pride or a false humility, as somebody put it. To think that you're not good enough to do what God says is to think too little of God and still too much of you. Let me say that again. This reverse pride, false humility, is to think you're not good enough to do what God says is to think too little of God and still too much of you. God, I thought you were smarter than this. I mean, if you'd have checked with me first, I would have told you I'm just a youth and I can't speak. You got this wrong. Now, can you imagine saying that to God? God, I'm smarter than you. But in effect, that's what we say when God tells us to do something. We say, Lord, I I can't do that. I don't do that. It's It's a pride, isn't it? Interesting. Moses was able to do it. Because God enabled him. Josiah, the king, uh, one of the, the kings during the time of Jeremiah, he was eight years old when he was called to be king. How would you like to be eight and be king? <laughs> How fun would that be? Ice cream for everybody in the realm. You know, I don't know what I would do. I'd go crazy. But he was king, eight years old. And then, you know, when he's in his mid-twenties, he's making all these great reforms. He's got a real heart for the Lord. He's a young man. And God used him. So whether you're old or whether you're young, if God tells you to do something, you'll be able to do it, as Jeremiah discovered. But he had to work through that, just like we have to work through that. And so many throughout the ages. Uh, George Mueller, you know that George Mueller, the guy that did all the orphanages by faith, never asked for money, just prayed and God provided. When he was 70, 
He had a second ministry. He traveled the world uh, evangelizing for like 17 years and had a huge ministry. I'm not too old. Caleb, you know, I'm just getting started. You could say uh, these guys were thinking. Gray Glory, on the other hand, was 19 and he was pastoring Calvary Chapel of Riverside. Charles Spurgeon was 19 pastoring in London to thousands. So if God tells us to do something, he'll give us the ability to do it. The second thing that he helps Jeremiah in his struggle uh, is with his comfort. So first his command. And so again, what's God calling you to do? And then you'll, if you're like me, you'll say, you know, no, Lord, I, that's not me. Really, that's not me. I don't, I'm not gifted like that. I'm, I just don't like that idea. And God says to us, don't say that. And we should say yes when God tells us to do something. And then he not only commands Jeremiah, but he comforts Jeremiah. And I really like this. He says, do not be afraid for, of their faces. In verse 8, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. And so in answer to his fear, which is an obstacle to his obedience, and the Proverbs speaks about how the fear of man is a snare. In answer to this fear, this insecurity, this inadequacy, fear, fear of maybe even being embarrassed, fear of failure, fear of success, I don't know. In answer to this fear, which is keeping him from obeying, the Lord is saying, I'll be with you. What a comfort that is. I will be with you to deliver you. Now, we don't quite catch it in the English. You would if you were a reader and you know, you're paying attention to the word deliver. But the way this word deliver is used is deliver from danger. I'll be with you to deliver you from danger. And so imagine the Lord saying, no, no, you can do it. I'll be with you, and I'll deliver you from danger. My first thing would be, danger? <laughs> I wouldn't hear, I'll deliver you. I would just hear, danger. And then I'd be struggling all over again. You know, for the Lord to rescue somebody, they have to be in danger. They have to be rescued. And the Lord is saying to Jeremiah, I'll deliver you. And the Lord did. But Jeremiah was in danger. And to serve the Lord means that we're going to have to put ourselves at risk, as Jeremiah did. But isn't that our calling? Remember, Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, If any man come after me, any man, any man or woman, young man, young woman, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So, deny self, take up cross, what does that mean? Well, deny self. Yeah, I don't do deny self. <laughs> That's our calling. Take up our cross. You know what the cross is for? It's, it's jewelry. It's nice, you know. It's our, you, can ta- you, can ta- you get a nice tattoo or something like that. No, it's an implement of death. And we know that. But again, we're letting the Lord speak to us. That's what Jesus says. And then he says this. Immediately after that, he says, If you seek to save your life, You'll lose it. If you try to hold on to your life, you say no to God, you say, no, I don't want to do that. You're holding on to your life. You're not going to do what God says. Well, actually, there's no life there. You know, it's not like 
Nana, 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 you know, I got you now. He's, he loves you. He loves those he's ministering to. And he says, I don't want you to miss life. This is where life is. Life is following me. It's denying yourself, taking up your cross and following me. I don't want you to miss it. If you seek to save your life, hold on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you will find life. You'll find fulfillment in life. You'll, you'll, <laughs> you'll have to put yourself at risk. You have to risk your life. You know, can I just, the ocean is cold, can I just kind of wait on the shoreline? Yeah, you can. But man, if you could go out on those waves and even surf, how fun is that? Jesus says, you try to hold on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you let go of your life, you'll find life. Now, isn't it interesting too, especially when we're trying to encourage others? You know, we're really trying to tell them about the reality, not the false gospel. Just come to Jesus and you'll get a raise, you know. Uh, the opposite of a country western song, you'll get everything back, you know. Instead of losing your dog, your girl, you get everything back. It's great, you know. That's a false gospel. One day it's going to be great. In this world we'll have tribulation. But isn't it interesting that so many will risk everything for... Well, like a, a young girl, she'll risk her life for a, a young boy. She'll give sex to get love. She'll risk her whole life. He loves me. Oh, he loves me. And listen, young girls, don't fall for this. I was a young man once. Guys will say and do anything. Don't fall for this. But isn't it interesting how a young woman will risk everything? And, the, you know, she may get pregnant and the guy will just blow her off, forget about her. And, and her whole life has changed now. But she'll risk everything. Or the young man, he'll, he'll risk, or, you know, everything to get what he wants. Or the, you know, the, the man will risk, he'll risk his family to be successful in business. He'll risk everything that really matters to, to be successful in something that really doesn't matter. In the end. You know, no, nobody on their deathbed is thinking, man, I wish I'd have made more money. Nobody's thinking that. And yet, so many will risk everything for that which doesn't satisfy, that which doesn't fulfill. And yet, they won't risk their lives to follow the Lord who promises to give life, to fulfill our lives, and to be able to fulfill the great plan and purpose He has for our lives. So, if you're going to risk something, you're made for something, something wonderful. And those around you that were, you're trying to reach out to, they're made for something wonderful. You can say to them, yeah, that's, okay, wow, that's really courageous. You really want to be courageous. You really want to risk something. Well, in a way, it's not a risk because we have God's promise. We have God's word. I will be with you to deliver you. To deliver you. So you have to put yourself at risk. Just like when we seek to minister to somebody, we're sort of putting our necks out there. When we seek to fulfill our calling, we're putting our necks out on the block, so to speak. We're walking the plank. Okay, Lord, I'm going to do it. And you said you'll be with me, and then you'll rescue me, deliver me. That means I'm going to walk the plank, and I'm going to splash. <laughs> and then the Lord will throw me a life preserver. You know, we think, okay, I'm going to walk the plank and he'll rescue me. I won't splash. No, you're going to splash. 
Jeremiah was opposed for the 40 plus years of his ministry. He was hated. He was put in stocks. He was ridiculed. He was put in a dungeon. He was put in prison. He was dragged off to Egypt. And there he died. But he was faithful to do what God called him to do. He trusted the Lord. And sometimes the Lord will, you know, rescue us out of the, the difficulty. Sometimes he'll rescue us from the difficulty. I sort of like that better. How about you guys? But I'm learning, actually, you don't grow. It doesn't make a difference. There, there isn't that testimony. You, there isn't that going deeper in what God has. You, you're not really fulfilling your purpose unless you're willing to be like Jesus and lay your life down. And so you've got to put yourself at risk. And we struggle with this. So God has made you for something wonderful. You're going to struggle like Jeremiah. But I want to encourage you, if I may, go for it. Go for it. He'll be with you. Always. Even to the end of the age. He told his disciples, go into all the world and make disciples. You know, go across the street and make disciples. Go in your own family and make disciples. Are you kidding me? Man, they're going to hate me. Yeah, they're going to hate you, maybe. Or maybe they'll get saved. That's our calling. And... But to do it, you got to say, okay, I'm going to risk it. I'm going to risk my job. I'm going to risk my friendship. I'm going to risk my relationship. I'm going to, you know, going back to the girl and the boy thing, I'm going to risk that boy. I'm going to stand for Jesus. I'm going to risk my career because I'm going to serve the Lord. And God will bless. And you have his promise that he will be with you even uh, to the end of the age. He, uh, Hebrews 13, 5. So the struggle. What are you made for? By God, he's got something for you. you. You'll struggle, like Jeremiah, like we all do. No temptation is overtaking you except such as common to man, but God is faithful. He won't allow you to be tempted above what you're able, and with the temptation, will make a way of, he'll make a way of escape. So no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. In other words, the things that you struggle with, that overtake you, it's common to man. And so we, we struggle. Now, to help our struggle, the Lord promised Jeremiah, and he promises us that he would be with us to deliver us. So let's go for it. In addition, God made Jeremiah for what he called him to do, and he gifted Jeremiah. And we'll wrap up with this. Verse 9, notice again, the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, and to throw down, to build, and to plant. Notice that Jeremiah was gifted to do what God had called him. Notice that. God gifted Jeremiah with his word. And and notice also, he says, behold. Behold. It's almost like Jeremiah has a vision. God says, look at this, Jeremiah. And, And it seems he has a vision. And in confirmation of this vision, he gets a couple more visions later in the chapter. And for extra credit, uh, read that. It'll be encouraging to you. And God gives Jeremiah a vision. And and he says, I put my word in your mouth. Behold, I put my words in your mouth. God gifted Jeremiah, obviously, with the gift of prophecy. The ability to speak God's word. To proclaim God's word. To 
to proclaim the message that's just right. What a great gift that is. You know, a, a word rightly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver, Solomon said. To have the right word at the right time, for the right occasion, to meet the, the need of the hour, even if nobody recognizes it, or one recognizes it, the gift of prophecy, what a wonderful gift. Not just saying what's going to happen in the future, but a word from God. And he had that gift. And he was gifted. So, again, we'll make some application for us. What is your gift? What is your gift? Now, we talked about how Jeremiah was formed. God made him a certain way. And he's going to make him like a, a bronze wall. where He'll be able to, to withstand the assaults that he takes. He's just going to have that fortitude and that courage. He's going to get discouraged. He's going to struggle, but he's, he's going to be helped through it because God's made him a certain way. He has that, you know, those natural abilities, you might say. And, and uh, what, is, what is your natural abilities? I have a friend who can fix anything. And uh, my wife, she's, God put a, a magnet for kids inside her. And uh, she's a kid magnet. God just made her that way. And, you know, what has is, what is God given you? This ability, these, this natural ability. Why did he give that to you? So I can make lots of money and be famous. Maybe I could go on The Voice. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. If that's the Lord. And maybe that's his high and holy calling because you'll be a witness and a testimony. Maybe it's something higher than that. What has God made you for? What are you gifted at? What, you know, what is it? In addition, what is your spiritual gift? Now, this is a different kind of gift. What is your spiritual gift? Well, I don't have a spiritual gift. What, are you a Christian? Well, I'm kind of thinking about being one. Well, then, man, call on the Lord. He'll save you. He loves you. He'll save you. Jesus said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Whoever calls on the Lord, he'll save. You can just come to him and cry out to him and he'll save you. And he'll give you his spirit. He'll give you life. He'll come and live in you and you'll be in him. In addition to the spirit being in us, having this relationship with God where we're in God and God is in us, this close relationship... You can't get any closer than being inside of somebody, huh? Not that he's physically inside. But we're in this relationship, this close, intimate relationship. In addition to that, God promises the gift of his spirit, the baptism with the spirit. And with the baptism of the spirit, the filling of the spirit, there is the manifestation of, a spirit, of the spirit. Gifts. Gifts of the spirit. And remember in Acts chapter 2, they were filled with the spirit, and then they... Spoke with tongues, a gift of the Spirit. Peter began to proclaim the Word of God and prophesy, the gift of the Spirit. And there was, in the book of Acts, the, you know, all the, the gifts that you see. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says that the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. And so, 1 Hanford 12, 7. The manifestation of the Spirit, well, sorry, 
I don't do those anymore. So, you know, you'll just have to rely on your own human ability. Hope that works out for you. Many in the church live that, believe that. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So what is your gift? What's your gift? I don't know what my gift is. Or my gift is, well, it's prophecy. I, the Lord just gives me the word, you know, at certain times. Or, or it's teaching, or it's serving, or it's giving, or it's mercy, or it's helps. I just love to help people. Not the gift of being a busybody, that's not really a gift, but the gift of helping somebody. I just love to help. That's a, you know, that's a gift. That's a spiritual gift. 1 Corinthians 12, there's a list of gifts. Romans chapter 12, there's a list of gifts. Ephesians 4, there's a list of gifted men. Prophets, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, and teacher. And then 1 Peter 4 speaks about hospitality, and some think that that could be a gift of the Spirit, which I would be inclined to agree. What is your gift? Well, I don't know what my gift is. How can you know? I'm glad you asked me. So a couple more minutes, I guess. Well, I'm already a few minutes long. Just a couple more minutes. Let's say um, Gino, he sees I'm a little cotton mouth, so he brings me some water, and he's going to say, hey, wrap it up, man. Time's out. You know? So he's going to be cool about it. Bring me some water. On the way here, he stumbles and falls. And then you guys, you know, a couple start praying. Well, maybe you have the gift of healing. Somebody else... You know, later says, hey, hey, I know she really hurt yourself. Here's some money, man. You know, go see the doctor. A gift of giving. Maybe the gift of teaching. Now, Gene, when you walk, it's good to step, you know, one foot above the other. So you get the idea. You know, what are you concerned with? What are you concerned about in a certain, certain circumstance where it seems that God is using you? That's how you discover your gift. And then lastly, not only notice the what about his gift, but the where. He was a prophet to the nations. I have set you. I placed you. Jeremiah was placed where he was placed. You are placed where you are placed. In your family, in your job, in your school, in your church. You're placed there to fulfill your calling. That is your where. You know, so often we think, oh, you know, one day I'm going to really serve the Lord. And we miss what's right in front of us. There's a wonderful proverb, Proverbs chapter 17, verse 24. Proverbs 17, 24. Write that down. Proverbs 17, 24. Wisdom is in the sight of him, right in front of him, before his eyes. Wisdom is in the sight of him who has understanding. But the eyes of the fool are on the ends of the earth. You know, oh, one day I'm going to go here, I'm going to do that. One day I'm going to serve the Lord, you know. One day I'm going to serve the Lord, you know. You get... <laughs> And you miss it. Why? Well, it's right in front of you. It's your husband. It's your wife. It's your son. It's your daughter. It's your, it's your you know, neighbor. It's the guy you're sitting next to in, the, in church or the gal. It's, it's right in front of you. And so as we have opportunity, let us do good. Galatians 6.10. Don't grow weary in this, too. Don't grow weary in well-doing. For in due time you'll reap if you faint not. And so, therefore, as you have opportunity, do good. So, where do you fulfill your calling? God's made you for something. Something wonderful. A high and holy purpose. 
And you might struggle with it, and you're starting to recognize, you know, man, this is going to hurt. This is going to cost. This is going to be difficult. This might not work out like that. They might not like me. But you work through that, and you say, I'm going for it because God has called me, and I'm going to do it right here in my home. I'm going to do it right here at school, in the church. I'm going to do it right in my community because that's where God has me. I'm going to fulfill my calling because I don't want to miss it. God has a job for you. Isn't that exciting? Doesn't that elevate your life? God has a job for you. He's made you for it. You might struggle with it. Keep, you know, work past that. And discover the gifts. And use the gift that he's given, the natural abilities and your spiritual gift. Use, having gifts, the Bible says, let us use them. Now, why does the Bible say that? (laughs) Well, because we're not using them often. Having gifts, let us use them. We're to stir up the gift of God that's in us. So I want to encourage you. Now, maybe you're thinking, yeah, I, I've tried that. It doesn't work. Well, you don't want to get to the end of your life and miss it, do you? You don't want to be like Saul and say, I played the fool. Those that you love, you don't want them to get to the end of their life and miss it. We love them. We, we, we'll you know, reach out with the love of Jesus to them. A life worth living must be enterprising and important undertaking. And to, to do what God has called you to do, what he's made you for, man, that's glorious. And, you know, maybe you're struggling with it, or maybe you've struggled with it, or maybe you know somebody's struggling with it. I'm closing my Bible and, and concluding with Babe Ruth, the home run king. I think he's still the king. These other guys, they had steroids. No steroids for Babe. Maybe it doesn't matter, but... 714 home runs. But he had 13,000 strikeouts. So how did he get so many home runs? And they asked him. He said, I just keep swinging. I just keep swinging. God's made you for something. You might struggle with it. He's gifted you for something. Discover that. And seek to use that right, right where you're at. And despite the failures and the struggles, keep swinging. Keep swinging. You're going to hit one over the fence. God's going to be with you every step of the way. Amen?